Blog Talk Radio. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be his holy name. Good morning. I come to you as a pastor warrior. And it is my prayer that you have on the armor of God with the idea of never taking it off. That is the idea of or I should say the reality that Paul writes about in Ephesians chapter 6. We live in intense days. We are under a multitude or a myriad of attacks on different levels and from different uh, sources. And so we have to be well-equipped spiritually and that doesn't mean the, that we're to just focus on uh, rationality or abstract reason and what that entails. I am talking about the spiritual life, the spiritual realm. We are in a dire spiritual war. It is very serious. And so it is my prayer that uh, if you are a blood-bought saint and you belong to Jesus Christ, if you have been born again by the Spirit of God, please read John chapter 3. You have been born anew by the Spirit of God. If you have uh, been renewed by the regenerating power of the Spirit, then it is incumbent. It is incumbent upon you to learn the Word of God, that you might be spirit-filled. And as a growing believer, the longer you study the Word of God and stay in fellowship with God, the longer you will be filled with the Spirit. A baby believer. Uh, is not filled with the Spirit of God constantly because he or she is growing in Christ. But a maturing believer knows the necessity of staying spirit-filled and has the capacity through the Spirit of God to remain spirit-filled for longer periods of time. The mature believer in Christ understands that uh, he or she abides within of what one pastor called the divine dynasty. And so he or she knows the necessity to, of remaining or being spirit-filled. 
Because if you don't, and if you are not spirit-filled, you're going to find yourself having, uh, being immersed in cosmic issues and cosmic problems. And you and I cannot afford that these days. So, also this particular pastor who spoke about the divine dinosphere spoke about the what you call the edification complex. That is, we are to be built up in Christ. We are to be uh, built up and rooted in him, built up in him. So Paul uses two different metaphors. He mixes his metaphors, yet the message of what he wants to communicate is essential. We're to be rooted in Christ, not in the cosmic system, but rooted in him. Then, F accorda meo, we are to be built up in Christ. It is that education complex which makes us teachable. When we have teachable or a teachable spirit, then the communication of divine phenomena, spiritual phenomena through the word of God comes into our minds. And we are able to perceive or understand the Bible doctrine. Doctrine is received through the mind, but it is in the heart <clears throat> that the Bible doctrine we receive through the mind is changed uh, by faith so that it becomes usable to us in daily life. You will learn uh, that in your day-to-day journey and with, uh, or contacts with the cosmic system, uh, you can be contaminated spiritually. If you allow or have your heart open uh, to, uh, t- uh, towards sinful man, uh, you're leaving yourself open uh, and you make yourself vulnerable in a way that is ungodly and unbiblical. Uh, we are enjoined by the in the Proverbs, we're told to guard our hearts with all diligence. Guard our hearts with all diligence. Guard your heart with all diligence. For from it flows the issues of life. So we are to have a guard around our hearts. Listen. Everything about the cosmic system, all of his teachings, his philosophies, his insights, his psychology, all of his teachings are designed to do what? It teaches you otherwise, to make yourself vulnerable to sinful, darkened human beings and fleshly believers. If you do that, if you follow that uh, that the, the doctrine of the cosmos, you are going to be hurt. You're going to be hurt because that's not what the Bible teaches. If you remember in the Gospels, uh, after Jesus was baptized in the Jordan by John, he was filled with the Spirit. And then the Spirit cast him out or drove him out into the wilderness to be tested under the devil. But he was spirit 
fear. Jesus is our model. Jesus adorned the original edification complex. He models for us the original divine dynasty, how we are to be, who we are to be, where we are to remain, ye in me and I in you. Why would God say this if it were not pertinent, if it were not essential, if it were not vital? God doesn't just talk. When I went to seminary years ago, there was a seminary, uh, there was a theological movement called God Talk. And unfortunately, I listened because I was sitting in a seminary class. I had to listen to what they called God Talk. Now, it is gone. It was ephemeral. It was temporal. It was nonsense. We are to focus on him. And what you're going to find that the more you focus on God, the more you get control of your brain. You'll find that your neurons will change. You'll find that uh, neuroplasticity will realign uh, your thoughts and your focus toward the Word of God. Your neurons are spiritual. Your synapses are spiritual. Your receptors are spiritual. When you learn to focus on God, then you will see a decided difference in your daily walk, in what you think daily. If your propensity is to be negative towards self, your propensity is to be high on on egotism, then uh, it is the spirit that will move you to see that you nail these things to the cross, that you crucify this stuff. You have to crucify selfishness. You have to crucify arrogance. You have to crucify this stuff because this is idolatry. And it is, it, it, this is an idolatry that permeates our being. It is so subtle and it is so intrinsic to us that we don't think about it. But again, an essential doctrine, an essential teaching. I am crucified with Christ. There, Paul uses the word, Galatians 2.20, he uses the word ego. He crucified his ego so that he would have an incredibly wonderful life. I want to talk with you this morning about what it means to have an incredibly wonderful life in Christ. The earth, during the millennium, during the millennial reign of Christ, the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord. All manipulative and destructive technologies shall be subdued by the Lord of glory. The earth shall rest Shabbat from the abuse of sinful man and be full of the knowledge of of the Lord. This is a this portends a wonderful future to me. And so I hold on to this because it, I I'm going to see this through the end. Because I see what sin is doing and has done. 
and how it permeates uh, the lives of, of the people who I love and hold dear. And my heart goes out to them because I know that this, the exceeding sinfulness of sin and the exceeding deceitfulness of sin. Sin will get you to partner with it in your own destruction so that your will is dedicated to your own undoing. I know the lie of sin. I was once involved in the lie of sin. Very powerful and compelling lie. Because it is, it, it, it seduces us. It is seductive. And it tells you there's no cause. Well, there's no prize. Well, there, there are no consequences if you listen to me. But as one preacher said long ago, your sin will find you out, hunt you down, and make you pay. And that was from an unpopular sermon by this gifted preacher. And his message was entitled, Payday Someday. And that message disturbed so many people. I've had people who, get, who, who got mad with me when I, when I preached messages like, by, your fruits you sh- by, their, by their fruits you shall know them. Oh, my gosh. They were so exercised by those words. And so it was my fault. And they were upset with me instead of seeing that it was the spirit moving out and teaching you about what's going on in you. What's going on in your own life? There's a story a long ago about this pastor that had a coffin at the front of his church, and he invited uh, every member of his church to walk up and look inside of that coffin. And when each member walked up and looked inside of that coffin, they recoiled in horror at what they saw. And, they, and there was disbelief and horror and shock and surprise. And the pastor had placed a mirror inside of that coffin because he wanted them to know why revival was not happening, why there, why there was so much apathy, joylessness, why there was so much toil and misery in the church. And when they looked at that mirror, they recoiled, once again, they recoiled in horror and shock. The is flesh. We struggle with the flesh. But during the millennial kingdom, we're going to see something wonderfully different. So in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 11, we have these wonderful uh, words. Verse 1, quote, 
a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, speaking of Jesus the Messiah. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of power, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees, with his eyes, or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge. Righteousness is a debt. So what is the source of this righteousness? The source of it is God's standing. It is the word of God. Jesus is not going to judge from uh, subjectivism. The word of God is the objective standard, not only for us, but for Jesus the Messiah, the word of God. He has exalted his word above all. He has exalted his word above all. But with righteousness, verse 4, he will judge the needy. Uh, the Hebrew is dalim. It is, and the needy here represents uh, in those inwardly bowed down and who are free of all conceit. The inwardly bowed down and those who are free of all conceit. He will end with justice. He will give decisions for the poor of the earth. Now, once again, this is during his millennial rule. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. This is Psalm 2.9 and Revelation 1.6. Uh, Jesus is coming again. And there is nothing that sinful, unsaved man can do to stop him, I'm going back to Isaiah 10, and I want to read uh, the first four verses of Isaiah 10. Quote, woe to those who make unjust laws. Think about our day. Think about our time. Think about illegal governments. Think about uh, unjust governments. Think about those who want to introduce communism socialism, think about those who want to destroy the economy by creating, uh, unleashing inflation on the people, which is another tax. Think about those who want to stop uh, the convoys and stop shipping, who want people to suffer from lack of goods, who want to uh, bring in a system where they uh, regulate the water and they put garbage in the soil, in the food, in the atmosphere, graphene oxide, they want to destroy and to contaminate uh, everything that we touch. They want to use microbes, and they're using microbes uh, to design meat for consumption. I'm not going to go any further into that. I need to go on. 
So woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people, making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless. What will you do, speaking of these oppressive rulers, what will you do on the day of reckoning when disaster comes from afar? Now, here in the context, Isaiah is speaking about uh, the Assyrian and whom God is going to use as an instrument to judge, uh, as an instrument of judgment against Syria, Israel, and Judah. So, to whom will you run for help? Speaking about these unjust rulers. Where will you leave your riches? They do it for money. There's a... Just recently learned that the CEO of Pfizer has sold his stock, taken his money, and he's deleted his Twitter account. He's gone. Because the narrative is collapsing. It is falling apart. They introduced all this pain, all this misery into the lives of people. They destroyed young people, beautiful, strong, able young people, uh, sports athletes who are in top physical condition. They destroyed their hearts. They took the elderly and they used them and they abused them and they destroyed their bodies for their evil statistics. They uh, began injecting babies and strong young people. And so there are articles coming out now that saying that some of the, uh, some of the, how women have suffered uh, with their unborn children because of the stuff. The evil is enormous. And see, the wicked do not believe that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth, beholding the good and the evil. They don't believe that. At least they will tell you that. Where will you leave your riches? Nothing will remain but to cringe among the captives or fall among the slain. So, and when we go back to chapter 11, we read, he will strike, this is the end of verse 4, he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. 1 Thessalonians 2.8. I'm sorry, 2 Thessalonians 2.8. Please read that verse. Please read that verse. Why? Because I want you built up. I want you strong. I want you to have strong prayers and strong praise. Now, I'm sure that there are individuals in your life for whom you need to be that tether. And I know that the Lord is your tether. But there are individuals who need you. And so you need to be strong. I need to be strong. 
in the word of the Lord. So righteousness, verse 5, righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist or uh, the girdle around uh, his waist. That is faithfulness, imuna, imuna. The wolf will live with the lamb. This is the new epoch. This is the the millennial kingdom. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. This is the millennial kingdom. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. This is the millennial kingdom. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child will put his hands into the viper's nest. See, these, uh, notice the, the new relationships. Notice the new reality. Whereas one time there would be, uh, the individual would be taken aback or these things could never occur. Because we, in the, in the cosmos, they say this is nature. Uh, uh, nature read in tooth and claw uh, was part of a poem of one poet whom I, I love to read. I can't recall his name now, but he talked about nature read in tooth and claw, a very able and fine poet. So he goes on. Verse uh, 9, neither will they harm nor destroy. Of whom is he speaking? Well, he's speaking about the ungodly. He's speaking about those who own destructive and manipulative technologies that, that want to pollute people and, uh, and ruin them, those who use microwaves in order to disrupt uh, the nervous system, sonic weapons, sound weapons, uh, any number of weapons that people cannot see and therefore believe uh, that they do not exist. What the Lord will face at Armageddon is going to be incredible. The opposition is going to be incredible because these ungodly people know that when Jesus comes back, it is going to be for them because They know their wickedness. They know their darkness. They know the children that they have destroyed for their perverse pleasures, for sacrifice, for their flesh, uh, for for the very blood, the essence. Life is in the blood. They, they, They know what they have done. They are... They are in darkness. They loved darkness rather than light. Agape. Because their deeds were evil. They loved darkness. Well, so I can't believe that there are people like that. I've heard that over the years. Well, uh, Mary Magdala, Mary Magdalene had all these demons cast out of her. Oh, I can't believe that. Or 
Paul talks about the body of sin. Well, I don't believe that. So whenever someone tells me or have told me things earlier that they don't believe, either verbally or through their actions, I watch their lives. I had to do a silent, longitudinal study of that individual. I don't tell them. But I watch what happens over time. Through their what, their avowed atheism, or their uh, their practical atheism. Well, I'm going to pretend God is not there. I'm going to pretend that God is not exist. And then I, I see what happens. Rarely has someone come up to me. Rarely has someone come up to me and says, "You know what? My faith has been increased." But I've had a lot of people come to me expressing anger and outrage over what they don't like about the word. So, uh, could you imagine a Bible with the the verses erased that people don't like? Because it is a mirror about their sin, about their selfishness. And when they come up to me and talk to me, and tell me what they don't like about the Bible or what I said or what it teaches, they're telling me that uh, the mirror is too strong. They're telling me that they have not crucified the flesh with its affections and lust. I don't say anything. And they're telling me that other things are going on with them that I don't bring up, but I watch. I watch what happens. And so God, in in Romans chapter 2, Paul talks about those who are treasuring of wrath against the day of wrath. They're treasuring of wrath. They're building up huge accounts with interest. They're treasuring up wrath against the day of wrath. Instead of bowing before the cross at this moment and receiving Jesus as uh, as Savior, instead of believing into him as their Savior, instead of going before the Lord and confessing They're sinners and saying, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. But God is still saving today, and salvation is still being offered through Jesus. Your sins can be washed away this day, this very moment, this very second, by the blood of Jesus. You can be free of your sin. We go on. Verse 9 again, they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. Jerusalem will be holy. Jerusalem is going to be uh, the capital of the earth. The capital city of the earth will be Jerusalem. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters 
cover the seas. Oh, there's going to be Bible study. There will be peace during the millennial kingdom. There will be the cessation of war through the unifications of the kingdoms of the world under the reign of Christ, together with resultant economic prosperity. And because nations will no longer need to devote a vast amount of their treasuries on munitions. And there will be national and individual peace because of the Messiah's reign. Isaiah 2 4, Isaiah 9 4 7, Isaiah 11 6 9. There will be joy. Look at the faces of people around you in this world, in this place, during this time, during these days. All oh, you hear scarcity, all oh, your scarcity. Uh, scandal and lie. Well, you need this vaccine. We're not going to tell you what's in it. We're not going to tell you that it is, a, it is software and that it is designed to redo your DNA. We're not going to tell you uh, what's in it. And we, and we don't want to do it for 75 years. So, and we're going to use it uh, under emergency uh, authorization so that people can come back on us to, for liability claims. Listen to how they scheme. Well, your loved one is in the hospital and you can't visit. Well, my wife had to go into the hospital and I had to wheel her up in a wheelchair to the door, and then the security guards then took my wife on up to where she was supposed to be. I couldn't even be in the room with my wife. Uh, Pre-op or wait in the hospital while she was being operated on or in post-operative recovery. I couldn't be there. And I have to live with that, and I have to bear that. And... If there's any way I can get into on a class action suit, I'm going to do it. There will be joy. The fullness of joy will be a distinctive mark of the age. Isaiah 94. Isaiah 61 7. Verse 10. Isaiah 66 10 through 14. There will be holiness. This will be a, a holy kingdom in which holiness is manifested through the king and the king's subject. The land will be holy. The city will be holy. The temple will be holy. The, the subject will be holy unto the Lord. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Zechariah 8, 3. There will be glory. The kingdom will be a glorious kingdom in which the glory of the Lord will find full manifestation. Isaiah 24, 23. Isaiah 4, 2. Isaiah 35, 2. Isaiah 40, verse 5. Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 9. There will be comfort. The king, uh, we read in Revelation, will wipe away every tear 
Amen? He will wipe away every tear. He is our king. And we look to him. And he is our hope. He is our destiny. He will personally listen to this. The king will personally minister to every need so that there will be the fullness of comfort in that day. Isaiah 12, 1 and 2. Please read this. Okay? Isaiah 29, 22, and 23. Isaiah 30, 26. Isaiah 41 and 2. There will be justice. There will be the administration of perfect justice to every individual, Isaiah 9, 7. Oh, the kingdom is going to be incredible. Well, someone will say, some naysayer would say, well, uh, there, the, there will not be a literal kingdom. Remember, when these people tell you what they don't believe, then that's it. When you live, knowing who you know and whom you know, when you walk by faith and not by sight, and you fix your vision on the Lord, you're going to have what? You're going to have joy. Because you know right now you have his joy, you have his peace. You have have, uh, inward rest because of Jesus. They don't know your inheritance. They don't know see, uh, what that you have read the book of Hebrews and you know what has been left to you as an inheritance. Now, Jesus left a will for us. He left an inheritance for us. Because of his resurrection, he is going to enjoy and to be there to share the inheritance that he has left Come on. Now there should be a shout or a hallelujah or an amen. Because God is good. Paul writes in Galatians, you are complete in him. Ye are complete in him. We have a complete salvation. Ketelestai. It is finished. We have a finished salvation. Perfect tense. Perfect tense. No one can pluck you from my hand. No one. Absolutely no one. The term of absolute negation. No one can pluck us from God's hand. There will be justice. There will be full knowledge. The ministry of the king will bring the subjects of his kingdom into full or complete knowledge. There will be an unparalleled teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 11, 1 and 2, that I read earlier, and verse 9. Isaiah 41. Please read these chapters. Isaiah 41, verses 19 and 20. Okay. Isaiah 54, 13. Habakkuk 2, 14. Please read these verses. Now notice, at the beginning of this chapter, uh, chapter uh, 11 of Isaiah, we read, uh, once again, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. So the house of David 
had been in humiliation. And so, because or through apostasy and idolatry, David's house, the king's house, is reduced to its Bethlehemitish origin. What does God do? There is this this death, this humiliation. So out of the stumps of Jesse, because the trunk has been removed, only the stump remains. God brings forth life by introducing what? From his roots, a branch, Nietzsche, will bear fruit out of the stumps of Jesse. God will cause to shine or bloom that which was insignificant, God is going to use for his glory. God, in Genesis 1, we see him, we see his sovereignty over ruling creation. We see him, what he does. We see what God, when uh, Aaron's rod, the stick that was placed into the Ark of the Covenant, God took that dead stick and made it bloom. Jesus died, and his enemies believed that was it. We're done with the Galilean. We're done with Yeshua HaMashiach We're done With the one who would Take away our power We're done with his good works We're done with his feeding people We're done with him Restoring sight to the blind We're done with him Healing prostitutes We're done With him taking a dead girl And giving her back to her parents We're done With him raising up the, the sole means of support of the widow of name. Her son had died. Jesus goes up to the coffin or to the uh, uh, those who are burying him, and Jesus raises him up. He gives this woman back her son. We're done with him. Being a Samaritan woman at the well, leading her to salvation. We're done with him. After a man who had of Ben, uh, uh, who has sat at the at Solomon's porticos for all those years and who was wasting away, and Jesus goes up to him and says, do you to be healed? And Jesus snatches him out of his misery. We're done with Jesus and all his good works. He gives hope. He gives peace. He gives prosperity. He takes Zacchaeus. And he tells him to come down from himself. Come down from the sycamore tree because I must stay with you today. Jesus has come. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Don't pronounce judgment on people. Get on your knees and pray for them. 
their salvation. God has given me personally beauty for ashes. I've seen over the years what his saving hands will do when we walk by faith and not by sight. When we believe that God can do the miraculous, God will perform the miraculous. When we do, God can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Guess what's going to happen? We'll do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Good morning, and God bless you.